Hey, welcome. It's seven minutes after 11 o'clock. Jennifer Bukowski joins us. And before we get around to talking about Nikki Haley and her husband, Jennifer, are you expecting flowers from Brent? Are you you, you, you expecting a Valentine's Day card or Brent? Well, we what did I say? We do cards. Huh? We exchange uh, uh, cards and then... Uh, an assistant may or may not be involved with some chocolate-covered strawberries showing up <laughs> every year, um, I guess, which I appreciate. <laughs> well, I, I just want you to know that according to uh, the New York Times, um, buying flowers is, is bad for the environment, causes global warming. And another uh, study uh, from another left-leaning newspaper suggests that we should do away with Valentine's Day because there are people less fortunate who will feel even more lonely, become depressed because everybody else is celebrating their love. So uh, maybe you should just cancel the strawberries and and maybe yeah and, and the card. And it, where does that end? Like Mother's Day, all kinds of people are sad on Mother's Day if they've lost their mother. Uh, that one it involves way more gifts and things being shipped all over the world. But should we cancel that one too? Well, not honor mothers. No, Jennifer. There are a lot of mothers out there. Trust me, a lot of mothers out there. So I wouldn't worry about that. But Valentine's Day, <laughs> yeah, you can you can you can intimate whatever you want from what I said. All right, let's let's move on because uh, Nikki Haley's husband, Donald Trump. What's going on? Well, Donald Trump got some heat over the weekend when he said that Nikki came to Mar-a-Lago and said, Mr. President, I'll never run against you. And her husband was with her. He's like, and where is he? Where is her husband? And her husband's on active deployment. But so everyone's like, this is, you know, Trump being uh, spitting in the face of all people who serve and all this and that. But. Let's be real here. I've been wondering the same thing uh, as a you know woman that's involved with politics, and I keep a close eye on like how the husbands handle the situations. This guy is obviously not on board with her running for president. I think because he he pieced out for he, like basically signed up to be deployed to go to Africa last summer, right as her presidential campaign started um, going into gear. So I think. You know, at their age, given that she's former governor of South Carolina, also when their kids were young and she was in the governor's mansion, he took it upon himself to go and leave for a year. So I think that Trump was making a comment on the marriage, which he doesn't need to do at this point. I agree with that. But I've been wondering that same thing. What do you think? Like, I don't think it's a sign that he's really on board with the whole running for president thing for his wife. Well, you know, people would want to know where where his wife is, where Donald Trump's wife is. She hasn't constantly comment on that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I pointed out on this show that she didn't show up for his indictments. You know, Melania didn't, and I would hope that Brant would if I were indicted for the crime. You know, to show support, but she didn't show up for that. He had one of his sons in one thing, and yeah. So. Uh, I think it's a fair question to be like, well, what's the deal? Because especially given the allegations of cheating that were shortly before the yeah, last let's, time. He let's get into the salacious uh, stuff here. That's much more fun. She was having an affair? So according to the Daily Mail, they brought this back up. This came out, back, this is over a decade ago now, before she was running for governor. 
that she was having an affair. Two different men signed affidavits saying that they had this affair. And there was also the Daily Mail found witnesses that saw her with one of these people canoodling in a vehicle. And that's before he went off on the deployment when she was basically a single mom governor because he went off abroad on a deployment while she was governor. So I think their marriage was on the rocks and, you know, it's her business or whatever. But the second guy said that uh, he only came forward and signed the affidavit after the first guy went public because she said that she'd never been unfaithful to her husband. And that was a lie. (laughs) So uh, apparently she has not been like the perfect military spouse or whatever that she's always going on and on about. You know, that's her business or whatever, but I did think it was interesting that no one has been, hardly anyone's been asking this question of like, where is, why is he abroad right now serving while you're running for president? I've wondered that, but now I'm probably going to get flack like Trump did for wondering that out loud, you know? Because it is honorable what he's doing. It's like the best excuse ever. So that's kind of perfect in that way. But I'm sure if you didn't, have to he didn't he had a volunteer to do that right uh, well i don't know they uh maybe somebody who's uh that's uh, listening to the show that's uh, b- that has uh, been enlisted uh can tell us uh, whether or not uh, it seems to me that, well, uh, that you get guard. sometimes you get choices huh yeah he's part of the national guard and so yeah, but he signed up to go to Africa for a year right as her presidential campaign was kicking off, which, like, if I had to guess, she was like, I'm going to run for president. He's like, I'm not on board with this. So, like, fine, agree to disagree. I'll go deploy it again so I don't have to deal with it. And you do you. And that's the perfect excuse for him not being at all of her political events. I'm married to a spouse that hates going to political events, so... That's just the way that I've always suspected that this thing played out. Which, yeah, but- you know, I appreciate his service. And his time is probably put to better use doing that than, you know, standing and clapping and introducing his wife or having his wife have everyone clap for him at campaign events. Um, Are we reading too much into this? I mean, does it really matter? Uh, We don't know for sure why he is where he is, whether or not for sure he's, uh, you know, opposed to her running. Uh, We're just sort of sloshing some mud around here and. Maybe. Yeah, I guess maybe it's, it should be beneath me, but I just thought it was interesting because I've been wondering the same thing. Like, what's the deal with this that Trump wondered out loud this weekend and everyone gave him a lot of flack for it? Um, Fanny, Fanny or Fanny? I don't know. I I, uh, I would have spent a uh, spell. I've been saying Fanny, but I don't know. She could be in trouble, huh? She, of course, yeah, is the prosecutor. Going after, she's the prosecutor going after President Trump in Georgia, and she's got some hanky-panking to explain. Yeah, and yesterday, Judge McAfee declined to quash subpoenas sent by the defense team to a number of witnesses, including Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade. Uh, if those witnesses testify, it likely it's likely to turn the hearings scheduled for Thursday into a public airing of details about the romantic relationship. So they're saying this is relevant. The judge said it could be relevant as to whether or not she should be disqualified from the case. That is huge. And this is the same judge, and I had forgotten this, Carrie, that a year ago when it came out that she had fundraiser emails uh, on this case, was saying that this is a problem, you know, and 
He didn't know if it arose to a conflict, but it was a bad look. And he went on at length about how unhappy it was because it tainted the whole thing that she's raising money off of her prosecution of Trump and attending another fundraiser for a candidate. And so this judge is apparently concerned about this romantic relationship. And so it's possible he refused, he's going to let at least let the defense um, have a hearing on this and air the details because they're saying that they're lying about when this romantic relationship started. And they're going to have but a hearing. What would that have it. to do with her case against Trump? Well, that's a good question. And you and I have talked about this a couple of times before. I don't know if it makes it go away, but if the cumulative effect is that she's disqualified because she cannot look like she doesn't have a conflict of interest because she's bringing this case because she wants to enrich her boyfriend and go on trips or whatever. Else oh, I think that's going to be a hard. That's going to be a hard case to make that she wanted to do this so she could hire her boyfriend and, and, uh, and uh, uh, enrich him. That would be hard to that'd be a hard case to make. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to hear this timeline because there's uh, a lot of the argument relies on the testimony of Terrence Bradley, a lawyer who used to work with Mr. Wade and for uh, who for a time represented Mr. Wade in his pending divorce case. Uh, they said that's a star witness. I don't know how if you used to represent Mr. Wade. In his divorce case, you're going to be able to testify about things that you learned during the course of that representation. But that they say they're saying that uh, the timeline. Both sides are arguing that they're either mistaken or fabricating the timeline. So they're saying, "Oh, it's not a problem because I didn't start this affair with him until after I'd hired him as a special prosecutor." In any event, it could be problematic with her. There could be potential legal liability if she is doing this to enrich herself. And this judge is actually going to let them have a hearing on all this I, in the Roman case, which is a co-defendant of Trump. And so eyes will be on that courtroom in Georgia as that takes place for sure. See, I would think that she hired him so she could have him closer and uh, that would have little or nothing to do with digging up the information to go after Trump. What might happen here is that she might get canned because she was using taxpayer money to um, to enrich her boyfriend. I can see that being a problem for her, uh, and then uh, they would have a different prosecutor step in, uh, and and uh, maybe that other prosecutor drops everything. I don't know. It, it just seems that's their thought, Gary. It's like. They're arguing that the relationship created this conflict of interest, which should disqualify Mr. Wade, Ms. Willis, and her entire office from the Trump case. And that, I mean, when you take that into account, plus the judge a year ago expressing on video concerns about her with this fundraising activity connected to this case, maybe it's enough to get a disqualification, and then do other prosecutors want to pick this up and go with it? the next ones to succeed it maybe not because they're going to be under such scrutiny but maybe they do i mean you might be able to find more democratic operatives down there that could do it All right, we, i'm up against the clock i gotta take a quick break uh, jennifer bukowski is with us and uh, trump asked the supreme court to pause uh, a ruling that would uh, well put him on trial before the race before the uh, actual election 
Uh, we'll kick that around with Jennifer next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 10, uh, no, it isn't, it's 11, 1122. <laughs> I can tell time. And Jennifer Bukowski is with us. Uh, she's a brilliant criminal defense attorney, has her finger on the zeitgeist to talk about whatever is going on, on the uh, out in the open, in the world, in the real world. And, well, we'll just tap into her legal mind to find out what she thinks about Trump going to the Supreme Court to pause the ruling that would force the case to the docket uh, before the election. Uh, what do you think of the chances and what is it about? All right, Gary. So there's Trump's bumping into the Supreme Court with two different legal teams at the same time now. Last week, they had the oral arguments where the SCOTUS was clearly troubled by the claim that states can disqualify him uh, from the election as an insurrectionist. That was the Colorado and Maine case that they were considering, and the oral argument went well for Trump. Now, in the one of the four cases he's facing, criminal cases, is the... J6 related case, the uh, federal case about the um, J6 events. And in that case, he said, I have immunity from prosecution for acts while I was president. And uh, he took that to the Court of Appeals, the D.C. Court of Appeals. A panel of them said no. And they said, you have to either go directly to the Supreme Court or uh, the clock starts ticking again at the trial court level if you seek an in-bank review of the entire appellate court. So his team went to the Supreme Court and was like, how about you say that the stay goes into effect for the full D.C. Court of Appeals to hear this instead of start the clock back? Because really what they want, Gary, is they want to have a trial before this election all about J6 and bring that to the forefront of everyone's minds. That's why they were having all those hearings before the midterms. You know, just to put this front and center as uh, people are deciding who to go vote for. And so Jack Smith took the unusual move in December of saying, going to the Supreme Court and saying, decide this right now. Let's skip the appellate court altogether. And Trump's legal team is like, let's keep let's keep this on pace. It's not fair for the election to have this trial right in the middle of it and to like expedite things outside the course and scope of business normally. And so they're requesting that the stay of, you know, proceedings while the appellate courts decide this issue continue, even if they seek an in bank court uh, review of the case. So I don't know how the Supreme Court's going to shake out on this. It's looking good. It's looking very good for, you know, trumping on the ballot. That case at the Supreme Court is looking good for Trump. I'm not sure if they're going to keep slowing this down, um, if the Supreme Court will... Um, to take up this petition and, and grant this request. But really, it's all about interfering with the election and wanting J6 to have a trial because to distract from how bad Joe Biden is. So like, you think that, really that Smith is actually just... Before the election. So you think that Smith is just pushing this so he can derail the election? A hundred percent, yeah. That's why they waited so long to bring this case. They They were timing this out so that it would be taking place during the height of the campaign. It was scheduled for March. That's when this thing is, was scheduled to kick off, like the day before Super Tuesday is when they set this trial. So they want to lock him up in a courtroom so he can't be out campaigning, and that J6 is at the forefront of everyone's mind every day throughout this campaign. But with the appellate court actions, everything was placed on hold on that case. They want to resume that 
uh, trial. They want to get that trial done before the election. And uh, I hope that it does not take place. But that's what's happening now. Don't they usually, uh, in order to not affect the election, hold off on prosecutions? I mean, it's... It, isn't that what they Yeah, that uh, is something that they've they've done historically. They'll be like, okay, well, we don't want this to affect the upcoming election, so we'll wait until after the election to file these charges. They did the opposite here, Gary. They filed it so that it would be uh, litigated throughout the campaign and have an effect on the election, the maximum effect. That's how they've been timing this. And they've been fighting to keep the timeline with this judge that they're in front of, cooperating, by the way, um, to try to get this trial going on March 4th. Uh, it's been removed from the calendar, and it's not clear where when it will be rescheduled for, but this judge has been compliant with the Jack Smith's team and setting it for before the election historically and has indicated a willingness to do that, and that's what they're trying to get done because they just want to put J6 and the footage of all that at the forefront of everyone's mind as we try to decide who should be president going forward. Um, and we do need to move on from this, but really it's their best shot given their candidate right now uh, with Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if he even remembers he's running. Finally, Taylor Swift, your kind of fairy tale? Yes, it is, Gary. I mean, here we have a self-made billionaire, brilliant songwriter, artist, flying her own big private jet from Tokyo uh, from her sold-out concert there to Vegas in time to see her NFL star boyfriend win the Super Bowl. Like, what an amazing love story they're having. I hope they get married and have a lot of beautiful babies together and well, live happily ever after. But it's my kind of fairy tale. Like, here's this woman, like, with her big old jet flying around the world, watching her, you know, winning all the awards and then going home to or going to Vegas, which is even better to see her NFL star boyfriend win it's the most exciting football game i've ever seen well does does uh you know the old six degrees of separation well you're three degrees of separation from them because you know me well the uh, kelsey brothers were raised in cleveland heights that's where i was raised yeah and my cousin and a buddy of his uh in fact his buddy uh used to stay at the kelsey's father's house uh, and he knew the brothers, and, and so you're three degrees of separation. Those brothers were having a good time Sunday night. We had uh, uh, see the after-party footage. <laughs> good for them. Yeah, Congrats absolutely. Them. Um, absolutely. So, all so, right. I, well, I did have that story in the RFK Super Bowl ad. It yeah. was Sergey Brin's ex-wife, 38-year-old lawyer, who gave $4 million to make that Kennedy ad. And that was a really interesting read in the New York Times because another person who gave a bunch of money to the same pack also gave $10 million to Donald Trump. So that's stirring concerns on the left that the right is trying to run Kennedy as a spoiler for Biden. We'll have to see how that shakes out. But I was at my party. My non-political friends were like, "Is was that for real? And the, they had no idea that any Kennedy was running for president. So it might have been money well spent. <laughs> Well, when I was a kid, I could remember the ads that were running on TV. Uh, and when I saw that ad, it was like, holy Toledo, This they really went back in time. Got to run. Jennifer Bukowski will talk with you next week.
Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Gary. All right. Take care. Jennifer Bukowski and the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, coming up, Corey Bush has got a problem. We'll explain. This is the Gary Nolan Show. Hey, it's 1135. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Corey Bush is uh, is being primaried, and apparently the Democrats want her out. We'll give you some details on that. Uh, let me quickly remind you that the... Um, 18th annual Missouri Credit Union Miracles for Kids Radiothon is going to be on the 22nd and 23rd of this month. Uh, you can go to uh, KWOS website or uh, Eagle 93.9 website to get more information on how to donate. And uh, it is uh, the Missouri Credit Union Miracles for Kids Radiothon. We do this every year. We've done it uh, every year since I got here. And, uh, boy, a lot of help from uh, Missouri Vein Care, Brian Ware Plumbing, A1 Containers, Club Car Wash, Big O Tires. Uh, so uh, many thanks to them. Just a quick reminder, one more quick reminder, uh, dealing with the uh, Boone County Lincoln Days. Uh, apparently, if you, uh, you want to go to this, uh, this is Thursday, uh, February 29th at uh, Midway Golf and Games uh, at their tavern room. Then uh, you, and by the way, the, the, the MC is Randy. Uh, our morning host is uh, being tapped to be the MC. It's going to be great. You can't go wrong with Randy Tobler. Tickets have to be purchased by February 22nd to guarantee your spot. Uh, and again, you can go to uh, 93.9 The Eagle Facebook page for a link to purchase the tickets. That's just some of the stuff coming up. We got the man show and... Randy Tobler is taking a trip to Switzerland. Wow, that lucky dog. And you get to go with him. I'll give you some details on that. Before the end of the program, it is uh, 1137. Corey Bush is trailing her Democratic primary challenger by 22 points. This is an unusual... Uh, an unv this is really just unusual. <clears throat> um, she is... Being challenged because she's such an extremist wacko, and it's a solidly Democratic uh, district, so there's, there is no way she would lose if she didn't have a challenger. And yet the Democrats saw fit to make sure she has one. Uh, there was a poll commissioned by a Republican firm, uh, Remington Research Group, on behalf of the uh, Missouri Scout, this was uh, conducted February 7th through the 9th, included 401 likely 2024 Democratic primary voters. There are several different ways you can do a, a, a poll. You can do voters, you can do people, you can do likely voters. The most accurate polling data is likely voters. And among those likely voters, they're likely not to put her back in the House of Representatives. The survey asked respondents for whom they would vote in a hypothetical primary if it were held today. If the race were between three candidates listed in the following order, Wesley Bell, uh, State Senator uh, Maria Chappelle Nadell, and Bush, uh, the question didn't indicate which candidate was the incumbent, Half of the respondents said Bell, 
28% said Bush, 4% said Nadell, 18% said they weren't sure. So Bell leads Bush in most demographic breakdowns as well. Among African-American respondents, 43% support Bell, 35 for Bush, 20% are undecided. Bell wins white respondents, 60% by a greater margin uh, compared with 20% of white respondents who say they support Bush. Getting rid of Cori Bush would be a good thing not only for the nation but for the state of Missouri because she is a constant source of embarrassment. It's like, oh, please, no, don't let her talk again. It's embarrassing. Respondents who identify as very progressive are split between Bell and Bush. 43% support each candidate. So it's, it's not like the moderates are taking over. Even the extremists are, are not, apparently half of them are not very excited about Bush. Oh, wouldn't it be great to get rid of her? To get her, uh, just just not having her on on the ballot, uh, just not having to listen to her in the news, would be outstanding. Global warming is always uh, an issue on the left, and it it uh, it confounds me that there are people who are willing to destroy society because they think somehow man-made global warming is a problem. But there was a study done, a research paper from the Heritage Foundation. And, you know, let me be honest, they are a conservative group, or at least a Republican-leading group. And in this research, there is compelling evidence, and they provided a chart for this, that warming, warming in the past 50 years or so, has been pretty much overestimated. Uh, and, and they show a chart. If, if you look at their studies from years ago and their projections, and they're wrong over and over and over and over again, then at some point you got to wake up and go, well, this whatever the methodology is, whatever the computer software they're using, it's not accurate. Uh, their background paper uh, was written by the first author uh, of the of the commentary that I've uh, gained garnered the information from, Global Warming Observations versus Climate Models. Uh, it, it says they've missed this by a mile. How well do climate models predict the warming that has actually occurred? And uh, then they have this graph. They look at the trends in surface air temperatures. Averaged over the United States since 1945, and uh, st- starting 1945, which is when I guess the you know the industrial uh, world really started cranking up, the rates have been off by huge amounts, and yet they're teaching this in school like it's 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 done, it's real. Hide your children. 33 out of 34 climate models produced models produced warmer trends than observed in the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration 
<clears throat> that was reanalyzed with thermometer data. Warming trend produced by the computer models, 64% greater than the observed temperatures. 64%. 60, that's huge. I, I, th- I think this, this is going to eventually get exposed. Somewhere down the road, it'll be exposed. Probably not until the government quits giving out money to make the case. If you want to run a study that says there's man-made global warming, the government will hand you the money. In fact, I think Brian and I should do that. We should approach the federal government and say, give us a couple of million dollars so we can validate the, uh, the uh, increasing temperatures brought about by anthropogenic global warming. And we'll spend a couple of bucks. We'll talk with Tony Lupo. We'll put out a real study, and then we'll walk away rich. <laughs> but if we were to go ahead and hand to them and say, we don't think that this is real, this whole man-made global warming thing. Yeah, they'd say, get lost. Yeah, we're giving you a dime. You're out of here. Not a chance. These people are making a fortune scaring kids to death about a problem that, frankly... Doesn't exist. Doesn't seem to exist. Uh, that, that'll that never, uh, apparently, uh, that won't go away till the money stops showing up. Uh, it's, it's just not likely to happen. Uh, the stock market, by the way, because of the inflation data, it's not looking good. It's not like, you know, you're in the tank. I mean, after all, it has gone through the roof for the last uh, couple of months. But the Dow is down 462. S&P is down about 57. The NASDAQ is down 223. And even the Russell uh, is down uh, 65. The inflation is not under control. Back to wrap it up on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It's, uh, it's 10 minutes to 12. And Politico has an article that, uh, uh, Brian, it is, uh, it, it's done. Uh, it's going to be Biden. He's definitely not going to uh, step, step aside. Uh, the, uh, the columnist uh, says that uh, two neon-lit caveats to this argument that it's going to be Biden no matter what. One of them is uh, that he changes his mind. The other one is his health. Uh, and the, and, and the, uh, the, the column says, uh, you know, God uh, knows about the health thing, but they're not going to change their mind. Democrats had their chance to speak out against Biden running for reelection at nearly 82. They failed to do it. There is no they now poised to intervene. The short answer as to why Biden is almost certain to be the Democratic nominee again is Donald Trump. The former president effectively controls both parties. Trump is the Democrats' best fundraiser, uh, fundraiser, organizer, mobilizer, and importantly, force for unity. He is the adhesive that binds the coalition that ranges from the DSA to Bush Republicans who are about to go over a decade since having voted for the nominee of their old party. Uh, the centrality of, of Trump and Democrats' determination to block his return is what insulates Biden within his own party. So in other words, they 
are motivated by Trump to vote for Biden, and there's nothing to fear. And this columnist is trying to tell Republicans and everybody else that, no, Biden is not going to drop out at the last minute because he's the guy that can beat Donald Trump. And, you know, short of, you know, God striking him from this earth, Biden is going to run. And, and, and that's the reason why, because of Donald Trump. What this columnist is not taking into consideration is that voters aren't necessarily following these orders. You see, what voters tend to do when they're stuck in this kind of rut where their candidate of their party um, is just not electable is they either don't come out and vote at all. They just stay home. It's like, what's the point? Or they have a protest vote where they go outside the party. They're trying to find someone who reflects their views. And that's why Joe Biden is not the best choice the Democrats can put up. And I think there are people in the Democratic Party that recognize this. Voters are not in lockstep. They may not like Trump, but that doesn't mean they like Biden. What will happen is they'll either stay home or go vote for, for uh, uh, Robert Kennedy. And that's where this columnist isn't getting it. Uh, and the Democrats who want to keep Biden on the ticket aren't getting it. My personal hope is that he is the nominee of the party. I, I absolutely would love for Joe Biden to stay on the ticket. I want people to look at Biden and look at Kamala Harris and go, that's what they're offering? I want these people who are struggling to make ends meet, who are working second and third jobs, who are looking at the price of everything from groceries to, to clothing and rent and mortgage payments, and think to themselves, I don't think Joe Biden is doing the right thing by us. And while I, I, I have a different view on the border than I would argue most Democrats or Republicans, I think a lot of people are terrified of the border. And they look at what Donald Trump was doing and they look at what Joe Biden has done and they think to themselves, this, this is the solution. So I, you know, I, I hope that the Democrats don't wake up because this is the weakest excuse for a presidential candidate since Jimmy Carter. And I, I, I think this prosecutor's report has been an eye opener for them. It's forced them to talk about his. Uh, his uh, mental capacity. Anybody who's been watching this guy for the last three or four years knows he's not hitting on all eight cylinders. Or uh, for you global warming people, his batteries are low. I, I you know, I'm, I'm glad this has caused a conversation. 
Because that's just going to wake more voters up. All right, uh, we're about to wrap up here. Let me tell you that we've got a couple of things coming up. The Como Man Show. The Como Man Show. That's going to be Saturday, March 9th. It's from 10 a.m. until 3 in the afternoon. It's going to be at the Boone County Fairgrounds. It's a brand new location. A portion of the proceeds are going to be donated to the Central Missouri Honor Flight. Uh, There's a link to purchase tickets, both on uh, the Eagles website, theeagle939.com, and KWOS. Just Jeff's, who I think makes the very best hamburgers, is providing food for anyone who comes with an appetite. Uh, There will be inflatable obstacle course, axe throwing, bungee races... And more. Just Jeff's Brian is is providing the food. Oh man, I'm in. Do they actually think I'm going to sit behind the the uh, counter and, and talk under the microphone? Because <laughs> it's hard to talk with a mouthful of those hamburgers. It is. Whoo, gosh. All right, uh, Missouri Department of Corrections, Missouri Department of Health and uh, Senior Services, Diamond Building Supply, uh, all these people part of this. Uh, Oh, and the axe throwing contest. Brian, I want to try the axe throwing no, contest. No, the answer is no. <laughs> what? what? You want what? me to be the... Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I've seen uh, how no. they do uh-huh. that in the movies. They, uh-huh. they throw the axe and, and, right. or a hatchet and uh, they okay, just... I'll tell you what. If I can go first, then I'll take well, you I'll up on that. Well, I'll be glad to make you the first um, <laughs> No, I target. would be the axe thrower first oh, no, I don't and think then you, have you could the, go second what do you think i don't i don't think you have the experience that i do <laughs> no i'm perfect at it oh i hate they used to call me throw the axe no one <laughs> uh boy that that but that does sound like a lot of fun uh so that again saturday march 9th 10 a.m to 3 p.m boone county fairgrounds uh and a portion of the proceeds going to the central missouri honor flight something else that we always do Every year. All right. Uh, tomorrow's show, we've got Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft with us. Uh, we have uh, Professor Murray Sabrin. We'll talk to him about this uh, latest inflation report that apparently has caught everybody off guard. Uh, that soft landing is not here. They are, they are not through handling inflation. But we'll get his, his take on that report. Uh, and see if we're at least headed in the right direction. Um, He is a professor emeritus at Ramapo College, and he really does have a handle on the Federal Reserve, uh, on inflation and spending. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.